for you, Nick, when you approached Cliff about this project, how much direction did you actually give him about what you wanted to have him represent in the soundtrack? How, how much direction do you need to give him before uh, you can kind of set him off for some of those first impressions of what he wants to do? Well, it doesn't really work like that. It's not that I give directions. Uh, I think it's more we talk about what could be interesting. But I'm also, in a way, more uh, concentrated on what Cliff would like to do to begin with mm-hmm. before I voice any of my opinions. I think that it's always more important that whoever you work with, that they are allowed to present their inner self because that will always give you a new perspective on things rather than me just saying what I would like because a lot of the times I don't know what it is until I hear it. Now, I guess for you, Cliff, how do you find in, in terms of when you want to set tone, when you even think about instrumentation and, you know, potentially the scenes or the, some of the emotion or, you know, some of the visual aspects that, you know, you're going to probably lean into once you see picture. What is it about what Nick is presenting you, especially in this project with, you know, this fashion industry? What were some of the themes? Because it seems like obsession is kind of one theme that comes out. How, how do you musically represent some of these things in the music? Well, I think the, one of the early things that Nick talked about was that this would be a film that would be female-centric. So I, I guess I tried to be uh, bring out my, my, my inner female, musically. <laughs> that was uh, kind of one of my sort of, uh, I guess, themes or ideas. And um, like Nick was saying, I always kind of come to every film with a bunch of uh, musical biases, um, things that you know, things that I like or I'm preoccupied with at the moment that I want to shoehorn into the score one way or another. And I've just become more and more interested with um, synthesizers and kind of electronic sounding music, music that sounds more and more artificial, less organic. And I think Nicholas was kind of going in that way too. I think we're kind of on the same page. We're kind of heading towards that. So that was kind of the other agenda that I had kind of independent of the, of the themes of beauty or narcissism or, uh, um, and then another wrinkle in the score, I suppose, was the horror part of it, which I've always wanted to do because I, I really like uh, a lot of film music. It happens to be horror music. Well, in terms of with the writing process and in the pre-production stages of when you are basically finalizing your script and Cliff is coming up with the, some of the initial sounds and feelings of the music, at what point do the two meet? When do you guys start to lock in and commit to a sonic palette for both the writing and the music? Well, I mean, I don't think we do anything until Cliff comes to and starts seeing a rough cut of scene. I mean, he's the first person to see anything of the film. I think uh, I think that kind of the general direction and template, unless you screw it up and make a mistake and go in the wrong direction, happens very early. Because um, I think once you get like one or two pieces of music that work, then that's it. That's kind of the template. I think for me, it was the, um, I think the first scene was called Gold Paint Shoot. It's a... Um, kind of a long, uh, ambient, electronic, but semi-romantic piece. And I think that was the first thing that I wrote. And once Nicholas said, I like it, 
a little bit goes a long way in film music, and you begin to that that add a, that those first couple pieces do a lot to defo- define the tone, the character, the approach of the score, and everything that will follow. So it happens pretty early to answer your question. Yeah. And at what point do you bring in your editor, Matthew Newman, being that you guys have worked together for many pictures? How does he influence kind of the story? Is he following what you guys are doing visually and sonically, or how does this collaboration work? Well, the way that it works with Matt is that Matt and Cliff are the first people that I kind of introduce an idea of a film I would like to make. And then I talk with them individually about what it could be and what direction to take it. And then, then Matt is very involved in the actual production because he cuts while I shoot. Mm-hmm. And then uh, once in halfway through shooting, we Cliff starts to come in and see some of your early compilations of how to edit the scenes. And we start to get very specific on the kind of music. My only idea was that it had to be completely synthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was about it. And um, then uh, Matt would then, of course, continue into the whole uh, mix of the film as well as all the post-production in terms of the picture. So he's very much along the way, all the way up until the mix, where, of course, Chris' music kind of bins, ties a ribbon around the whole film. Yeah. So it's very much like the band. How, how do you find in terms of, you know, after you've been through the process of finishing the film and you look back and say, all right, next time we're going to do it differently. Do you ever have that, the sentiment of the collaboration, the shorthand that you guys have established? Do you feel that it has evolved throughout each picture or are you guys, do you lock in on the process in terms of how you guys work together? Does it work for you? Well, I think that we are more, the more and more we work together, the more secure and trust there is among us. So it's just knowing, for example, on Neon Demon that editorially, I would leave scenes longer so there was time for the music. Mm-hmm. You know, so usually editorially, you, you, you edit the film to its precise moments, scenes, and beats, and then you give it to a composer who then fills this whatever is there with background music most of the time, or a opening theme and so forth. But here, it was literally like we were cutting scenes that would not be completed until the music came in. And I think that's the level, that's the level of the collaboration has kind of evolved to, that it's now, it's, the movie is put together this way by basically infusing different elements that will then complete the film, but not until all the elements have been infused completely on their own terms. Yeah. And I guess following up on that, Cliff, for you, when you know that you're taking maybe the perspective of the character and you're experiencing a scene, for instance, you know, like um, whether it's at the apartment or kind of in the fashion world that that Elle's character is experiencing. What, what was it about how you wanted to represent the fashion industry? What was your point of reference of the LA backdrop of this kind of hyper-surreal environments that, that Nicholas is painting? I guess of all the different um, elements of the film, 
that you know impacted the score, my thinking about the score, the, the fashion industry part of it wasn't a big factor. I okay. mean, uh, I think probably character was a big, bigger influence. There was a, a supernatural or fantastical um, element at, at times in the film that I responded to, and I took that to mean, okay, here's where we get more science fiction about it, like the runway sequence. Well, you haven't seen it. The runway sequence, for example. Yeah. Um, but I think the score is probably more... Uh, character-driven, because I, I like to... Uh, I think one of the roles of film music is to universalize the story. And not everybody really... Uh, you know, the fashion world is not part of everyone's everyday experience. So, for me, it's always important to say um, whose point of view is the music going to take? Is it going to be uh, Elle Fanning's character? At one point, I tried to turn it. I tried to make the... Uh, the bad guys become the good guys and vice versa, or that's one interpretation. And turning the music to kind of reflect that change in the film was kind of an important thing to take on. But I'd say um, characters come first in defining the direction of the music and perhaps situations second. And uh, I guess the fashion world was pretty far down there in terms of uh, its impact on the score. I would like to ask you something, Michael. Yeah, sure. Uh, what was it like hearing the score? Uh, I mean, I listen to a lot of music when I'm driving, and I think like driving is a bad place to listen to music because you kind of detach from what's on the road, and you just kind of you're you're really being influenced by just the energy of the music. And I feel something about this incredibly. I don't. Know, it pulls you in. It pulls you in a way, and like I think it's up to the individual to de kind of determine. Like, does it? It kind of has these dark feelings that I, I think. You know, I'm curious to see how that is represented in the story. And I, I think there's, when you listen to a soundtrack and then you go see the film, the relationship is different versus seeing the film and then listening to the soundtrack. And so for me, I'm, I'm, I really got drawn in by just, I, I think, kind of the visualizations that I have listening to the soundtrack. I mean, there's some of the, um, the instrumentation and how, just how, the, how it's all put together. The buildup is really interesting. So basically, it's the idea that you're seeing, you're basically creating your own movie yeah. in your head based on the soundtrack. No, exactly. How often does that actually happen? I don't know, because I think once, you know, once I see this film, I'm, I'm then only going to know that visual representation of it. So it's like, then it takes on, I think that's going to overpower what I think of what, how, how, like when I listen to music, where it takes me. So I don't know if that makes sense, but. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Appreciate you guys taking the time to talk. Take care.